This is episode number 102 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. everybody, this is the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute and Fearless Presentations. And this is the podcast that helps people just like you eliminate public speaking fear and become more confident and poised presenters and speakers. This is episode number 102, and this is actually a continuation of episode number 101. And what we, what we decided to do in episode number 101 is to begin to deliver 101 public speaking tips. So this was a, a um, I, I mentioned on the on the previous episode that this was a, a blog post that I created years ago that's been very, very popular on the fearlesspresentations.com website, by the way, uh, that uh, we've, we've updated, um, probably, I wrote it in 2012, and we've updated it maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 times since then. And we keep adding new principles, we new new tips. Um, the thing to keep in mind about the the tips that we're going to cover here is that um, a lot of times, you know, what what we teach here on fearless presentations on the podcast and our classes when we're doing coaching is cover just a few concepts really really well versus covering a ton of concepts in a in a cursory fashion. So this um, it, at first glance it may appear as though that's what we're doing on that we're doing the exact opposite of what we typically tell people to do, but in reality what we're doing is breaking this down into component parts. So last week we covered three concepts uh, with a few key bullet points underneath them. And then this week, this week we're going to cover five. There's actually going to be five different concepts that we're going to cover that um, each have just a few um, bullet points or a few tips underneath them. So it becomes easier to implement if you break up your your high content presentations into bite-sized pieces, kind of like what we're doing here. So instead of trying to cover all 101 tips in one you know hour, you know, what we'll do is we'll break it up into into bite-sized pieces so that it's a little bit easier to internalize. So the the uh, the podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com, and we've got classes coming up. I got to look at my notes here. The the uh, we have classes coming up in, in November in Milwaukee, Denver, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Charlotte. Houston, St. Louis, and we've also also got our classes in London and Dublin coming up. Those will be our European classes. Uh, we got a class in Phoenix and Indianapolis, Tampa, Atlanta, Detroit, New York, Seattle, and then right at the end of the year, around Christmas time, is is New Orleans. So all of those classes are coming up before the end of the year. The cool thing about uh, if you want to register for any of those classes is you get not only the seat in that two day class, but you also get a whole year's worth of coaching. So you get. 52 weeks of, of webinars. You also get one-on-one um, -on -one coaching with your with your uh, instructor. And uh, you can attend the Fearless Presentations class up to two more times in a 12-month period of time. So, um, and, and basically just the seat to get in the class. I mean, basically all this stuff that we're talking about is actually cheaper than a lot of our competitors charge for just the seat in the class. So, 
just kind of keep that in mind. So if you're interested in any of those classes or any of the classes in 2020, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com for details. And let's get on with today's podcast. So we're picking back up with our 100, 101 ways to, or 101 public speaking tips or another name for it might be uh, public speaking 101, which is kind of a play on words, but it really works. Uh, so the concepts that we're going to talk about in in the on the podcast today are going to be those tips that really help us add what I call impact or pizzazz to a presentation. So we're going to cover five parts to this. And in part one, we're going to talk about uh, kind of an overview of some of the things that you can do to add impact or pizzazz. And then in part two, we're going to cover stories and then we're going to cover uh, audience participation and some of, some of the other ideas that uh, can help you add impact and pizzazz. And then finally, we're going to finish up with showmanship. So those are the five things that we're going to cover today. So let's start with some of the key concepts to help you add impact and pizzazz to your, your presentation. Now, this is going to sound very similar to how we started last week because the first couple of bullet points, the overview, the same thing that help us design a really good presentation are also very similar to the ways to add impact and pizzazz. But the first thing that you want to do, uh, principle number 22 or tip number 22, is you want to make your title what we call audience focus. So this goes back to what we talked about last week when we create a very specific title. But in addition to making it a, a specific versus a general title, if you make the title what we call audience focused, it makes it much more interesting for your audience. Your audience is more likely to want to pay attention to you. So you go back to that title that that you created last week, if you if you're on the podcast last week, and you want to redesign it so that it has a major want, W-A-N-T, want for the audience. So just look at the title as you have it and ask yourself, why does the audience need to hear this presentation? Whatever the answer to that question is, should be added to that title. For instance, let's say your title is Project Update, <laughs> all right? And, and you followed tip number one and made it more specific, and you might end up with a, um, with, um, a title like uh, Smith Building Construction Project Update, right? So if it's, a, if, it's, if it's a project update, it's about the Smith Building that we're building, and it's the construction project update. So now you want to go one step farther, though. What is the actual result of the update? What conclusion do you want the audience to come to about the presentation? So basically, you just add a, a, a slight result into the end of that, that title, and it becomes something like, Smith Building is two weeks behind schedule, but back on track by the end of the month. So now it tells us where we're at and where we're going, and that's what we want people to to get from this presentation. So it's it if you not only make the presentation specific, but then make it audience focused, make it to where the audience go, okay, well, I want to hear why we're off track, and I want to hear how we're going to get back on track. Now all of a sudden they they want to pay more attention. So it's a fine tuning type thing with presentations, but it's really really important. So in addition to making your your title more audience focused, you want to make your bullet points more audience focused as well. So once you're once you um, you're you're um, you, you've got that really good title like we just talked about. Um, and in fact, if we had the the more generic title, you know, if your title is just you know Smith Building Project Update, 
then you're likely to have dozens of possible points that you could cover. Everything from personnel to schedule to budget to the project map to client meetings to community outreach, whatever it is. However, if the title is about the project being behind schedule and our plan to get back on schedule, you'll likely spend point number one telling us what happened that got us off track you know, and tell a few stories about it. And then points number two and three will likely be a few things that we will be doing to get back on track with examples for each one of them. So it's a little bit easier to design your presentation if you make your, your bullet points more audience focused or title focused as well. Uh, point number 24 or tip number 24 is you want to add more stories. And I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, this was the same thing that we did in the first presentation that you gave last week, Doug. It is, but um, and I know that I gave this tip earlier, but stories are just, they're really your ace in the hole when you're, when you're designing your presentation. So the more that you have, the better your present presentation will be and the more your audience will, will like you. So, um, so even though you put stories into your presentation last week, and when, if you, if you went through that step-by-step -step process that we went through in the last few tips in those first few tips from last week, you probably put some, some stories in there. Well, my tip this week is to add even more stories. <laughs> so in addition to those stories that you did last week, add a few more. And one of the things that I often hear from, from uh, folks who kind of go through our public speaking classes at this point, they'll say, but, but, but presenters in my companies just don't tell stories, Doug. I always respond with, well, I can pretty much bet that your meeting meetings and your speeches within your company really stink, <laughs> you know, because that's the, and they almost always agree when I say that. So after you have your skeleton of the presentation uh, that it designed with a, a, with a topic, a few key bullet points and a story to prove each bullet point, go back now and add a few more stories as proof. So, um, and by the way, the, the next few tips that we're going to give the next con the next part of the um, the process that we're going to cover in today's episode is uh, are a few ways that you can use stories to actually reduce nervousness and add impact. So in addition to adding more stories, we're going to show you how to take those stories and make them work even more effective when you put them into presentations. So tip number 25, the 25th thing that you can do to, uh, to or, or presentation skill tip that we're going to give you is to add a moral or an action to the end of your story. So your examples are a great way to teach the audience or, or to persuade them if that's what you're trying to do. So when you finish your story, add a moral or an action to the end of it, such as, so what I want you to get from this story is... When you when when we tell people to do something or give advice, by the way, human nature is they want to play devil's advocate. You know, so if we say, "Hey, I want you to do this thing," they they will they'll say, "Well, why should I do that thing?" Right? I'm not sure I want to do that thing. However, when you tell a story for first, then your audience is more likely to agree with you. So, and, and it's funny you can actually try this around the office. You can you can experiment with this to just, just kind of see if it works. Instead of giving your advice right away, the next time somebody asks you for advice, start with a quick little story about the advice first and then see if you, and, and then offer the advice and see if you get better results. It, it works really, really well in your presentations as well. Uh, tip number 26 is use success stories as your proof. So your successes are solid proof that your advice is sound. So anytime that you offer advice or you suggest a plan of action, always try to use a personal example as your proof 
that your advice is valid. If you if you if you haven't had personal successes with this new new idea, then find some other group or person who has used their and, and, and who has used the concept that you're trying to get across to the audience and use their success story as your proof. A sto- stories are just a fantastic way to prove that whatever it is that you're trying to get your audience to agree with is is absolutely true. So so that's a, a, a good, 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 good tip that I would encourage you to to make a part of every single presentation that you make. Tip number 27 is to learn from mistakes. So when you or your team have a challenge, tell the story about that challenge or that that mistake that you made and then add a moral of the story to the end to show how you learn from it. A lot of times you can add some self-deprecating humor in in this type of of presentation tip as well. So I mean basically if if all we're doing is just telling success stories, then a lot of times folks will kind of say, well, aren't you Mr. Perfect? Or aren't you Ms. Perfect, right? But every once in a while, if you kind of slip in, okay, so here's how I'm asking you to do advice A. Let me give you an example of when I used advice B and it backfired on me. And that's why I'm suggesting you use advice A, right? So if we kind of tell them at a time that we learn something from our experience, then we use our our, um, failures as a way to kind of teach other people not to make the same mistakes that we've made. So it's it's a really cool way to um, to add some humor into your presentation and make the presentations more interesting for your audience and make your presentation more believable as well. Tip number 28 is to give contrasting examples. Now, this is the technique that I use most often when I'm delivering keynote speeches or when I'm doing breakout sessions or when I'm doing training seminars. I will use contrasting examples. So um, if, if you use, what I will do is I'll pick two stories, one where I had a great success and one where I had a great failure and and use them as contrasting examples. So if I start with the bad example and kind of go go in great detail as to how I didn't do this advice that I'm suggesting that you do and as a result it came at back and bit me on the on the hind end. And then I go and then I immediately move into a success story where I did use this piece of advice myself and I had a great success and those two stories contrasting together, working together are fantastic evidence and there, the the it's just one of those things that after you kind of use both of the stories in conjunction with each other like this, your audience will you'll look around the room and the audience will just be nodding. They'll go, yeah, that makes total sense. So it's really easy. So those are just a few key concepts that you can use, a few a few key tips that you can use to make your stories work a whole lot better. Um, now, so let me kind of cover a few things other than stories, though, that will help you add more impact to your presentations or add more pizzazz to your presentation. One of the things that I would encourage you to do is add some type of audience participation, if at all possible. So this is number 29, add audience participation. This is a fantastic way to break up the presentation and to also add energy and attentiveness to your presentation. The old adage is that people will support a world that they help create. So when your audience helps you deliver the presentation, they're going to enjoy the presentation more and they're going to retain the information longer. And by the way, I'm going to give you um, a a few things that you can do to to um, to uh, to help your audience participation work a little bit better in the next few bullets anyway. So bullet point number 30 or presentation tip number 30 is to avoid rhetorical questions. So a lot of times we think, oh, I'm going to add some audience participation. I will just ask a rhetorical question. Well, you never want to ask a question that you don't expect the audience to answer. So rhetorical questions, they're not 
really interactive. They're, they're, they don't really help you. They, they, in fact, they have the potential to actually be annoying and, and even sound manipulative. So you really want to avoid these types of questions. So that'd be a question like, hey, we've all learned to drive, right? Or the one, I'll give you the example I use in, in class a lot. This actually happened. This is a true story. True story. This actually happened to me. I, when, when the Leaders Institute really started to take off up until, um, you know, for the first few years anyway of, of running the Leaders Institute, I was putting every single piece of income back into the company. I mean, it's, it was a small business, a startup business. And so I was investing very heavily in, heavily in, in making sure that the, the business would run. Eventually, we got to the point where I was doing pretty well and started to have more a little bit of money left over at the end of the month. And at that point, I started thinking that, you know, it might be a good time to invest in some life insurance and stuff like that. You know, some retirement and life insurance, because up until, you know, for the first five years or so, I hadn't really been doing that. And so I got a a, a random cold call from a life insurance sales guy just out of the blue he just called me and he said hey i was wondering if you were interested in life insurance I'm like well god you know as a matter of fact i am and i invited him over um he recommended that my wife be there with me around the table you know which you know i know that's kind of a sales technique so but you know we did it so we go into my dining room table the table that we only sit at at thanksgiving and christmas right and my wife and I are sitting on one side of the table. This guy's sitting on the other. And uh, the, the entire sales process probably lasted maybe seven minutes tops. Because one of the first things that he did after he opened up his briefcase is he looked at me and he said, now, Mr. Stannard, he's a really solemn tone, right? Mr. Stannard, now, um, you do want to make sure that your wife and kids are taken care of if something happens to you, right, sir? And I just kind of paused for a second. I'm like, does he really expect me to answer that question? He wouldn't be in my house right now if if the answer to that question wasn't yes. Right? And so I'm sitting there, this guy's trying to manipulate me. And all of a sudden, I've got a lot of negative things going on in my head other than, hey, this guy is trying to help me, right? And uh, it was funny because my wife, you know, knowing my personality, she had her, her hand on my on my thigh, kind of gripping it under the table, you know, saying, you know, calm down, don't let him go, let him go, right? But from then on, it, I mean, he lost all credibility with me because it sounded like he was trying to manipulate me into doing something that wasn't in, in my best interest. And so as a result, I lost a lot of trust with him. So I would be careful with uh, rhetorical questions in front of a group. It, it, it can have a similar type of, of um, react. People in the audience can have a similar type of reaction as to what I did. So they don't. People don't want to. Uh, they don't want to be manipulated. So I would. I would just avoid those. There are some situations where a rhetorical question might be helpful, but for the most part, they have a high propensity to backfire. So I would. I would avoid kind of doing that. Another type of audience participation question that I would encourage you to avoid is the yes or no question. So questions where some people will answer yes to the question and some people will answer no have a propensity to divide the audience. And really, that's not what we really want. We don't want to divide the audience. We want to, to gain a consensus in the audience. So, so for instance, if, um, if we, if we asked a, a polarizing question, something like, so how many of you have been sexually harassed at some time in your career? And you kind of raise your hand when you do it. it, it, it it's, gonna, it's likely going to cause a negative division within that group that you would really rather avoid. <laughs> so, um, you know, however, if you, if you did something like, um, let's say, for instance, that the question was less polarizing, it was something where you actually wanted to set the group apart. You can say, Hey, how many of you 
um, made President's Club this year. And if you would, if you made President's Club, if you would, go ahead and stand up. All right, so that would be an instance where a yes or no question would be helpful because at that point, once those people stand up and we give them a big round of applause, then everybody else who didn't get a chance to stand up is going to go, God, man, I'm going to stand up next year. I don't like sitting down when they ask for the people that got the award. So... So I would just be careful using those yes or no questions. They can be helpful, but in, in a lot of situations, they can cause negative things as well. Um, tip number 32 is you want to avoid single answer questions as well. This is questions where only a single, uh, correct, an a single correct answer is available. Um, and if that's the case, there's only two possible things that could happen. Either one single person in your audience is going to know the, the correct answer, and in that case, that person is going to be the hero, or nobody in your audience knows the, the correct answer, and now we just made them all feel stupid. So if there is only a one-answer question, avoid the question. Just tell the audience what the answer is, and, and, and it, it will work a whole lot better for you. So tip number 33 is the one that we tend to focus a lot on when we teach this in the fearless presentations class is to ask open-ended opinion-based questions so it's an open-ended question meaning that there are there are multiple answers and it's opinion-based question meaning that all of the answers are going to be the opinion of the people that are in the audience so this is the best type of question to to ask um so, so a, a whole group of audience members, you know, if, we, if we're able to get um, uh, answers that anybody with an opinion can answer and we get the entire group to answer the question now, now instead of having that single hero that we talked about in the earlier one, now the whole group becomes the, the heroes, right? So the, the best way to do this, by the way, is to make sure that your bullet points have gone to that that quote unquote next level that we talked about where the result of the the result to the audience is added into that bullet point. And you can pretty much just make that bullet point into an opinion asking question. So so like for instance, let's say the bullet point for the that we talked about on the Smith building was so we're two weeks behind schedule on the Smith building. What kind of things can we do to get back on track by the end of the month? And we let them come up with it. So these are the people that are going to be making this happen. So if they tell me the things that they they can do to get back on track by the end of the month, they're much more likely to do it than if I tell them, hey, these are the three things or the two things that we are going to do to get back on track, right? So so basically, you can use your opinion asking question. You can give them, and, and by the way, anything that they, any answer that they give you that helps you get back on track is a great answer, right? I mean, so we don't have to, I mean, if they give you five things that, that we can do by before the end of the month to help us get back on track, then great. Let's try and do all five of them, right? And now it's their, it's their opinion. So they're more likely to buy into it and be able to do it. So tip number 34 is what we call the think, write, share method. Now, this is something that we typically only teach in our, our more advanced classes, but anybody can do it. It's not, it's not as though it's an advanced um, uh, technique or, or tip or anything like that. It just It's just that in order to practice it in, in the classroom, it sometimes takes a little bit of, of time just so people can kind of see the value of it. But it's what we use as instructors. It's what our instructors use to uh, to um, solicit uh, feedback from the, from the people that are in our audiences. So um, if your audience, especially if your audience is more introverted or they're less likely to interact, then what we call the think-right-share method can be very helpful. So it, it basically is like this. So you would say something like, think about all the possible ways that we can get back on track on the Smith Project. 
So basically that's the think part. So just think about it. That's all I want you to do as an audience is just think about it. If you would, write down two or three of your best ideas. All the, of all those things that you've just thought about, what are the two or three best ones? And just write those down. And you wait for everybody to write down at least one thing. If they, if they all write down two or three things, that's even better. And then just say, hey, tell me what you wrote down. So now all people have to do at that point is just to read what they wrote down on the, on the piece of paper. And you're more likely to get, you know, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 responses than just one or two. And, and it works a whole lot better. So think, write, share is a good way to get more of an introverted audience to participate. So another tip, another thing that you can do to get great audience participation is tip number 35, which is you use sticky notes to get input. And this is something that we used to teach in our in our uh, management classes as a way to do problem solving. If you've got one or two overly vocal audience members who tend to overpower all the other opinions, then you might try having everybody write their ideas on an individual sticky note. So it's the same type of thing. Think about what you want to think about the answer to the question, write, write it down. But instead of writing it down on a, a, a notepad or a card in front of them, they write each one of the ideas on a sticky note, and then they just kind of throw the sticky notes into the, into the middle of the table. So you collect all the notes and then you read them to the group and then organize them into piles of similar ideas, like on a flip chart or a whiteboard. That way we can see where the real consensus is in the group without it becoming a popularity contest. So if you're doing the same, hey, how can we get back on track? And you use the sticky note idea. If if um, if four of the sticky notes are uh, out of the 10 that you've collected are all very similar in in the way that they're phrased or the ideas are, are very similar, you kind of put those up and say, hey, okay. So it looks like out of the six of us, four people said that this was a good idea. Maybe this is the one that we start with and make sure that we focus here. So it's a good way to kind of get the audience involved with if, if they're fairly introverted or if they don't like to participate or something like that. Tip number 36 is what we call practice with a partner. This is the one that we use quite often in our fearless presentations classes. So it's a way to get the group to participate uh, by asking them to just tell their best idea to a partner that's sitting next to them. So, hey, just turn to the person next to you. Tell them you're, out of those three things that you wrote down, tell your partner just one of the things. And then you have the partners volunteer to tell the group a single idea that their partner shared with them that was particularly good. So so of all those things that your partner kind of mentioned to you in the last couple of seconds, what was the best? Anybody, did anybody's partner tell them a really good idea? If so, just shout it out. So now all of a sudden we're, we're able to make the audience be a little bit more interactive and, and they're working with each other a little bit, little bit better. And... We're getting to hear from folks that may or may that most likely wouldn't have kind of voiced their opinion in, in front of the group if they're nervous. Tip number thirty-seven is to have a contest. Now, this is obviously would be only for specific types of groups, sales groups, or you know, it's a good way to to get them to um, reinforce the content of what we've covered. So you can divide the group, the audience up into small groups and have a contest of some kind. So this could be a test to see what they remember about the speeches from previous presenters, or it could be a contest to see who can, uh, come up with the most creative solution to a challenge or a problem that you're experiencing. But if you get creative, you know, people learn more when they're having fun. So if you can do something like that, it makes it makes the, the, the audience participation can be a little bit more fun and make it to where they're they're more likely to kind of give you really good ideas and and get the creative creative juices really flowing in the audience. So the next part 
are some of the things other than public speak, other than stories anyway, other than stories and audience participation that I like to use to add impact. And I'm going to go through these a lot quicker because I know we're we're kind of running short on time here. Went went a little long in some of those, so let me let me kind of breeze through some of these um, last few uh, just so that we don't get too far behind. But these are some of my favorite ways to add impact to presentations. Thirty eight is analogies. Analogies are a fantastic way to make complicated information easier to understand and to make your presentation you know, more fun as well. So an analogy is basically just a comparison where you, when we're, it's just like saying uh, something that's, that's really complicated is just like something that's less complicated. For instance, a financial planner trying to explain early retirement planning might compare planning your retirement to planning an orchard. If you, if you only plant one tree and wait only one year, you're not going to have a great crop. <laughs> but if you plant dozens of trees of different types of fruit and you let them grow for years while nursing them along the way, then you're going to end up with a bountiful ha harvest. So a good um, analogy can be a, a, a way to add a lot of impact, make it really interesting. Tip number 39 is to is to add anecdotes. Um, they're fun and they can add some humor. They called Re Ronald Reagan the great communicator because he they his one of his speechwriters basically said that you know the thing about Reagan that made him so good at speaking was that he had an anecdote for everything. So these are short, often funny stories. They're kind of like parables that that are used to teach a point and add some levity. Um, and a good place to find these are at the end of the articles in the Reader's Digest magazines. Uh, motivational speakers use this technique quite often. Um, we, um, if you, we, I actually did a podcast on this uh, a few months back. So if you just kind of go to fearlesspresentations.com and type in uh, anecdotes, um, it should it should show up. That podcast should show up. Tip number forty is a demonstration. Demonstrations can help audience members. Uh, get better. Uh, they can better understand a process, um, and they can understand products by seeing them in action. So this technique is is common at trade shows and fair exhibits and that kind of thing. It's also a really common selling technique. Um, they use it in infomercials. So if you're explaining a step by step process or have a product that's in, that is impressive to the audience, then a demonstration might be a great addition to your presentation. 41 is to offer a sample. Give the audience something they can see, touch, feel, or experience. If, if you're talking about a product, then bring one to pass around. If, if the topic is less tangible, give an example. You know, For instance, when we teach public speaking classes, we introduce how powerful stories can be, and then we give them an example of the story. So you can, you can give examples by, by doing whatever it is that you're trying to, by demonstrating really, uh, what you're trying to get them to do. Tip number 42 is to put in a quote from an expert. Um, I, I sp we did an entire podcast on this not too long ago. Quotes are a fantastic way to borrow the the experience of the person that you're quoting. So you're temporarily borrowing that person's expertise and credibility. So sprinkling a quote every now and then can be helpful. The tip that we always give in our classes, by the way, is if you're going to use a quote, make it something that you can memorize, and so that you can, if you can deliver that quote from memory, then your audience kind of sees you as being credible. They see you as being smart. Whereas if you have to read the quote, it's not as interesting. It's kind of boring and it doesn't really add a whole lot of impact to your presentation. So, so uh, memorize that quote. Tip number 43 is the name drop. If you don't have a formal quote, then, but you know that multiple famous people or companies agree with you or, or follow your advice, then you can name drop. You know, for instance, uh, 405 of the Fortune 500 companies 
have sent people to fearless presentations, including Microsoft and Apple and ExxonMobil and PricewaterhouseCoopers and Deloitte and many, many more. So by me quoting or name dropping some of those um, those big companies, then it makes it much easier for somebody who's who's unfamiliar with fearless presentations to be able to to um, to send people to our classes. All right, so the next, the last one that we're going to cover today is tip number forty-four, which is add showmanship. And and the reason why is because we're going to, was because we're going to spend a lot of time on that one next week. So add showmanship. Remember that in addition to informing and persuading the audience uh, as a speaker, you also have the obligation to entertain the audience. So if if you can wow the audience, then you're going to be way more memorable. So um, so so next week we're going to give you a few things that you can do to add a lot of showmanship. And that's what we'll start off with on podcast number three of the 101 Ways to, um, to become better at public speaking, the public speaking tips. So we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.